the research for this episode showed me just how little I have paid attention to driver announcements and signings this offseason. That's going to change. Hello, everybody. It's Jillian, your host, and I'm thrilled to welcome you to the first episode of Beyond the Checkered Flag. Today, we're diving into the world of F2 with introductions to your newest members of the Formula 2 paddock. Plus, I am revisiting some of the best and worst special liveries from the 2023 season to gear up for the 2024 car launches next month. So, let's jump right in. Let's kick off the list with ART. They are welcoming Zach O'Sullivan to their driver lineup this year. O'Sullivan is a member of the Williams Driver Academy, who clinched runner-up in the 2023 F3 Championship this year with 119 points. Some of his season highlights include four wins, two sprints and two features, a pole position in the Hungarian feature race, and securing fastest laps in both the Spanish sprint and the Hungarian feature. Notably, O'Sullivan also drove an FP1 session for Williams during the 2023 Abu Dhabi Grand Prix and participated in postseason young driver testing at Yas Marina alongside Franco Colapinto. Moving on to Prema and their newest addition, somebody I think we've all heard a lot about recently, Kimi Antonelli. At just 17 years old, the Italian driver has already claimed multiple single-seater championships most notably securing the 2023 Freca Championship, his fifth title in two years. But Jillian, wouldn't a move to F3 be the usual next step? I hear you, and yes, for most drivers. But Andrea Kimi Antonelli isn't most drivers. You see, since 2021, Antonelli has entered 81 races, won 36 of them, and secured 53 podiums on his way to multiple F4 and Formula Regional titles that bear his name. Of course, concerns were voiced, including concerns of my own, upon the announcement of the Mercedes Junior driver signing. But opting for F2 over F3 is strategic. The introduction of a next-gen F2 car this year with increased downforce means all drivers, new and old, on this grid are going to need to adapt to new technology, leveling out the playing field. It's also highly likely that Antonelli is going to game a more comprehensive and cohesive understanding of tire management, pit stops, and team organization in F2 than he would have if he had spent a year in Formula 3. We have another fresh face from Freca joining PHM Racing this year on their driver lineup. 20-year-old Josh Dirksen will be stepping into his seat following a two-year campaign in Formula Regional. The driver made his debut in 2019, finished second in Formula 4 UAE, while also driving in both the Italian and German F4. In 2020, he returned to German F4, and in 2021, he returned to Italian F4 before moving to Freca in 22. I'm not going to lie. I don't know too much about Josh Dirksen, and there was not a ton of content to be able to consume on him. So he's someone that I'm definitely going to be watching this season to try and get to know him, see what he's all about, what his driving style is like, and kind of watch his growth. Next up, following Enzo Fittipaldi's departure, a vacant seat opened up at Roden Carlin, one that reigning Super Formula and Super GT champion Rotomo Miata will be filling perfectly in 2024. 
I'm so excited about this one. The 24-year-old Japanese driver has a track record of phenomenal titles to his name, including two Japanese F4 titles, one of which he beat Yuki Sonoda out of, and an all-Japan F3 Super Formula Lights title, as well as the two titles that I just said. He beat Liam Lawson this year out of the Super Formula title, and his Super GT track record is just insanely phenomenal. He will be one of the more experienced drivers on the F2 grid this upcoming season, having that experience driving Super Formula, which are normally slotted between F1 and F2 cars in terms of machinery and technology. I think this season specifically is going to be really, really good for Miyata due to the fact that we are getting this new F2 car. It's going to have more downforce, which is going to be very similar to the Super Formula cars that he was just driving. And the technology that they're bringing in is very reminiscent of stuff that is already on the Super Formula cars, which is kind of seen to a lot of people as like an F1.5 a lot of times. It is where you send those guys who can't quite make the step up to F1 yet, whether that's because there's not a seat open or because they just need a little bit more experience, i.e. Liam Lawson and this year Teo Porcher. So I'm very excited to watch Miata drive, and I think it's going to mean that we're going to see him at the top of the points for a good portion of the season. Again, not saying that we are absolutely going to see him, but I won't be surprised, and I don't think anyone else should either. Miata is going to make waves in Formula 2, and they're going to be in the best kind of way. So make sure you watch out for that. Joining the ranks of reigning champions who are making the rise into F2, Gabriel Bordaledo, the current Formula 3 champion, is joining Virtuosi Racing for the 2024 season. Bordaledo secured his title at Monza during the final round of the championship with 164 points, two wins, three fastest laps, one pole position, and four other podium finishes. In addition to this brand new title, the recently crowned 19-year-old has made some other changes this offseason as well, becoming a member of the McLaren Driver Development Program that has created drivers such as Pato Award and Lando Norris, so Bordaledo is in very good company in that program. I'm excited to watch him, excited to see what the current F3 champion is going to do this year, excited to see him on a team like Virtuosi, who was seeing an uptick with Jack Dewan last season. Um, I'm excited to see what they do and see how this pairing works out. Campus Racing is also introducing a familiar face to their Formula 2 driver lineup. Bebe Marti has earned himself a promotion after a fifth place finish in the 2023 F3 championship. The recently signed Red Bull Junior driver ended his season with 105 points, three wins, four fastest slaps, and two pole positions. Marty will be one of the youngest drivers on the grid this year, but between his deep understanding of Campos, he's driven with them his entire single-seater career, and his recent fifth-place finish at the iconic Macau F3 Grand Prix, his promotion, at least to me, is not unexpected. These next two drivers made their debuts at Abu Dhabi, but this is going to be their first full season in F2, so I'm including both of them. 
First up, Franco Colapinto, who is retaining his seat at MP Motorsport for the upcoming season. Colapinto's debut in the 2023 season finale at Yas Marina saw him secure a 19th place finish in the sprint before sadly facing an early retirement in the feature race due to a sensor issue. Despite some setback early in his season this year, the Williams Academy driver finished fourth in the 2023 F3 championship, securing top step victories in the sprint races at both Silverstone and Monza. The Argentinian driver also got behind the wheel of the Williams FW45 alongside Zach O'Sullivan during the young driver test in Abu Dhabi at the end of the season. Last but certainly not least is Paul Aaron, who is poised for a fresh start with High Tech Plus 8 this upcoming season, departing from both his Formula 3 team, Prema, and the Mercedes Junior program. Aaron's F2 debut at Yas Marina saw him driving in place of Clement Novelak at Trident, where he finished 16th in the sprint and 18th in the feature. Despite a challenging and rather scary end to his F3 season at the Macau F3 Grand Prix, where he suffered a terrifying crash, splitting the car in half and resulting in part of it bursting into flames, Aaron came third in the 2023 F3 Championship with 112 points. The Estonian season highlight was a win and fastest lap coming during the Australian sprint race. Now that we've all gotten slightly acquainted with the eight newest faces in F2, let's shift gears and redirect our attention to the exciting group of unclaimed seats. These vacancies are shaping up to be quite the hot topic. Teams are facing the choice between embracing more new, exciting, untapped talent or sticking with the familiarity of a current driver. With Richard Vershaw and Juan Manuel Correa both leaving Van Amsfort, Vershaw for Trident and Correa for Dams, the team is undergoing a complete overhaul in its lineup. To fill the first seat, Enzo Fittipaldi successfully transitioned from Roden Carlin. The speculation, though, is surrounding that second seat, which remains unoccupied. The rumored occupant, rookie Rafael Villagomez, who spent the last three seasons in F3, including the last two with Van Amsfort. Meanwhile, over at Trident Racing, the question around their second seat also remains. Amid the rumors, there are two main speculations. Roman Stanek, who was notably absent from postseason testing, might make a return to his seat this year. The other option would be Christian Manzel not related to the great Nigel Mansell, who showed his abilities during postseason testing, could possibly be gearing up for his debut in Formula 2. Finally, the focus shifts to PHM, whose second seat remains uncertain. One potential option retained Josh Manson, who partnered Dirksen during postseason testing at Yas Marina. If this move materializes, it would mark Manson's first full season in F2, after he stepped in for Brad Benavides midway through the 2023 season. Now that we've broken down the rookies of F2, I want to shift gears towards next month and the new F1 car launches. A few teams have announced their dates already, but there's not much to say about those until we see them. Yes, I'm going to talk about stake at some point, but I want to see what their whole deal is before I pass any judgment. What I want to do today was take a look back at three of the best and three of the worst special one-off liveries from last season. Let's start with my top three best one-off special liveries from last season. Starting at number three, we've got Alpine's camo car. They did this collaboration in Vegas with the clothing clothing brand Kappa. Let's start off with my top three favorite liveries. Starting at number three, we've got Alpine's camo car for the Las Vegas Grand Prix. 
During Vegas, they did a collaboration with the clothing brand Kappa, and honestly, the whole thing was just amazing. The content that they were putting out all weekend was phenomenal. The livery looked beautiful, but the combination of those camo track suits that Duin, Gasly, and Ocon wore all weekend combined with, you know, the matching livery just really, for me, solidified it in the top three. I thought it was a phenomenal collaboration and incredible marketing for both sides and both parties. Honestly, I couldn't see a better way to do it. It's it was so good. It was so beautiful and through and through just really well executed. Number two was McLaren's Chrome for the British Grand Prix. Obviously, this is a callback to an amazing McLaren era. It looked clean. The chrome with the orange looked wonderful. The white suits. I mean, everything about it was really pretty. The only thing, if I could put anything, if I could say anything mean about it, it would be I wish the whole thing was chrome. I totally understand the incorporation of the orange that's part of them now that's part of everything they are now having said that though that chrome is just so iconic and i would have given anything to have a complete chrome livery um maybe we'll see it again maybe it'll come back at some point those white suits i mean i'll never get over those white suits i think they're phenomenal i I would keep white suits all day, every day, um, if I could, but overall, spectacular. The number one livery for me this past season, though, was the Williams Golf Collaboration. For Singapore, Japan, and Qatar, they... I don't even know what to say. This sponsorship collaboration through and through is maybe my favorite collaboration out of any sports team ever. I'm trying to think of any other sports teams that I think do insanely amazing collaborations, and I honestly can't think of any. This Williams Golf collaboration is so beyond anything I've ever been able to see and whoever works on it on both ends, whoever does it on the Williams end and whoever their counterpart is on the Gulf oil end are absolutely phenomenal. The color scheme is great. The light blue with the orange is wonderful. The fact that it's not just a livery on the car, but those baby blue overalls that both Logan and Alex wore for those three races were amazing. It fit with the three races that they did too. Cutter being obviously a very warm, very desert environment. Singapore also very warm and rather tropical. And then I just love any sort of lighter colors for any Japanese tie-ins because, I mean, I'll say it, because I really want somebody to do a cherry blossom livery one year. I don't think it'll ever happen, but I want to so, so badly. So those are my three favorites. 
But now let's get into who I think are the worst. Let's now talk about my least favorite liveries. I don't want to use the word worst because it's very subjective, but let's say least favorite. Coming in at number three, we have the Alpha Tari Zebra print that they had going on in Las Vegas and Abu Dhabi. I saw the tie-in with the clothes. The event that they unveiled it at in Vegas looked amazing, but I just didn't understand it. Maybe it's high fashion and that's why I don't get it. Not really my speed or my style, but it just looked very unlike a race car to me. Plus, it's Vegas. You're under these bright neon lights. I feel like the darkness of the navy just really didn't do much for them, specifically in the city that they were trying to unveil it in. I guess it was fine. It just wasn't really my cup of tea. Second up, we've got the yellow and red Ferrari at Monza. Yellow is such an important and historic color to the Ferrari heritage, but this was not the way to do it in my book. It looked McDonald's worker. It was not great. I would love for us to go back to the full yellow with black accents at i.e. black fireproofs, like 2022. I thought that looked great. Um, I loved the yellow. If we're going to do yellow on a Ferrari for Monza, we need to do yellow. At least that's just my opinion. I think that color yellow that they chose too wasn't the best to go with the red either. The whole thing just kind of seemed very discombobulated and I saw the idea but I didn't really love the execution and I think if we had done yellow and white or yellow and black it would have been better but the yellow and red just like I said looked very fast food worker and that was not what we wanted to see during the Italian Grand Prix. Finally, I have a tie for number one between the Alfa Romeo Neon Kick sponsorship during the Belgian Grand Prix or Red Bull's Miami Grand Prix livery. Here's my thing. The Alpha Neon looked weird. The neon green with the darker maroon red and black just was not a good look. You could have done complete green and black. You could have gone completely neon green. I'm not exactly sure, but the neon green and maroon was really throwing me off and it just didn't look great. Plus it was on the weirdest areas of the car and just kind of looked like it was thrown together. I don't know. I don't know what it was, but something about it kind of rubbed me the wrong way. The Red Bull Miami livery. Red Bull is a team that I feel like it's really hard to do a special livery with because they are such an iconic color scheme and such an iconic... I mean, the running bull is so very Red Bull that it's so hard to do something specific or special for any particular race. I can't see a Red Bull live special one-off livery doing well in any capacity. Um, I didn't really like any of them this year. I thought they kind of just looked weird on the back of this car and completely 
I think it's because of what Red Bull is and how they've designed the livery of their car just in general. It's not meant to be anything other than their Red Bull livery at any given time. The Miami one looked weird because it was trying to incorporate everything and I saw what they were trying to do, but it just didn't execute, at least on my end, in my brain, the way that it was supposed to. I want to know what y'all think, though. Which special livery was your favorite last year? What liveries are you hoping make an appearance again? Is there something you'd like to see on a car? I'd love to hear all about it. Check me out on socials. I'm at JillianMurphy28 on everything. And make sure to subscribe so that you don't miss an episode. Catch you next week. Be on the checkered flag.